The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. Well, good morning, church. Are you thankful for that place called Grace this morning? Amen, amen. And y'all are talking already. I like it. I like it. Keep that amen going. Um, well, this morning, as you've already heard, Pastor Brandon is off celebrating 15 years of marriage with his bride, which means he's not here, which means we can talk about him. What? I hope he's watching. Because right about now, he's probably sweating bullets. What is this guy going to say? What I want to say about Pastor Brandon is I'm thankful for the ministry and the growth taking place here at Trinity Baptist Church. I'm thankful for his leadership in that. I'm thankful for the folks that are coming and making commitments to follow Jesus and the the baptismal waters being stirred. New families joining the church and getting engaged in what we're doing here and what God's doing here. I actually brought a picture of Pastor Brandon this morning. Uh, Jacob, if you'll put that up for me. Because I'm thankful for the preacher that he is as well. As a pastor, he is someone who is committed to preaching the full counsel of the Word of God. Committed to do the work that it takes to study and to teach the truth of the Word of God. And we are blessed. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. Well, if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Justin, and I have the privilege of leading our student ministry here at Trinity. And uh, I preach sometimes, too. I brought a picture of that also. Somewhere, maybe. There we go. Actually, I love what I get to do. This isn't me preaching. This is actually during our prayer portion of the service back in student ministry. One of the things that I love about students is that their hearts are, are so moldable, and they're so hungry to hear truth. And what's going on. And I know oftentimes that's not what you hear when you think of teenagers. But we have a fantastic group of teenagers here at Trinity Baptist Church. A a group that when we open the floor to pray on Wednesday nights, this is what happens. It's not my preaching that fills that altar, by the way. They do that themselves. We create space for them to spend time with God. And it typically happens something like this. We're singing through the song, and one student comes down. And then several other students from the group come, and they gather around, and they pray over that student as they're praying. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the church being the church, even in the midst of our young people. The reality is, though, making space for God is probably something that we could all get better at. We have those moments in church services like this or in student services. We even had a a prayer and praise student service a couple of weeks back where we dedicated time to spending prayer time with God. Time that we can stop everything else that's going on and just focus on, okay, God, what is it that you want to do and what is it that you want to say into my life? We probably don't do that as often as we should. 
You see, if we're not careful, our lives can start to look like my garage. I can remember a time, some of y'all have that garage, I can tell, there's chuckles. When we first moved in, man, uh, our garage was clean, beautiful. I can remember a time when Grant, my nine-year-old, was just a little boy. Dad, don't talk about me. There he is. Um, we had a, a wooden train set that we had set up in the garage, and he would go out and play with that thing. He used to love trains. But now, nine years later, because you're nine, right? All right. Nine years later, what happened? Yeah, that, that space isn't there anymore. We've accumulated things, all sorts of things that are now in that space. And some of it's probably trash that needs to be thrown out. Some of it is very useful stuff that's there for storage. Some of it is their projects that one day, one day, we're going to get to that project. Anybody else have a garage or a room in your house like that? All right, all right, okay, that's good. My wife was a little concerned. She's like, don't talk about our messy garage. I'm so, honey, people have messy garages. It's okay. It's all right. A little confession time. But our lives can be the same way sometimes. If we're not careful, we can accumulate stuff like my garage accumulates stuff in our lives. Things that we do that we don't even remember why we do them. We just do. Some things in our lives could probably be done away with. Some things are useful and should be used more often, like the elliptical that's sitting in my garage. It's starting to look like a lowercase b over here. I want to get careful. Some things are useful, but in moderation. Take, for example, the family in our church who have kids in soccer. They enjoy playing soccer. They enjoy going to the soccer field and everything that, that happens that revolves around soccer. It provides the kids with good exercise. It teaches them things like good sportsmanship and, and teamwork. But they've made the decision to only play soccer in the spring because while soccer is useful, they don't want it to become a pursuit that is a priority in their lives. It's good in moderation. But if soccer takes over the focus of their life, it becomes a problem. I'm not going to stand up here and, and harp on your sports schedules or social media time or your video gaming. Senior adults, I'm looking at you. I know about your video game. You know, some of you are Wii Bowling champions. I know. I'm not going to come at you about that. I'm not going to talk about your work schedule. I'm not going to talk about your, your social schedule or anything else because I don't need to. All I'm asking this morning is that you consider the pursuits in your life. What are the things that I am pursuing in my life? Well, what's a pursuit? As we define it this morning, that's anything that you devote your time to doing. You want to know what your pursuits are? What are the things that you spend time doing? Some of you are professional tinkerers. And if you have a spare moment, you're out in the garage and you're putting things together. Some of you are professional Facebook stalkers. 
I know. Conviction, it's okay. It's all right. We're in church. Some of you are professional family men or women. Some of you are professional prayer warriors. What are those things that you're pursuing in your life? You know, sometimes when it comes down to it, we get so busy doing things that we don't take the time to even stop and take a step back and go, why am I doing this? Is it really worthwhile? See, I think we have a common problem in our culture. When our pursuits, and there are many of them, we're busy as a culture, when our pursuits don't align with God's purpose, it leaves us feeling empty. When our pursuits don't align with God's purpose, it leaves us feeling empty. And what tends to happen is, because we're feeling empty, we think, oh, well, well, that didn't work. And so I need to pursue something else to fill this empty void. And so now I've got this that I'm pursuing, I'm this pers- that I'm pursuing. And by the end of the day, we end up frustrated and stressed out because we're so busy pursuing all of these things and not satisfied. Because we're trying to satisfy our soul in the wrong way. So what's the answer? The answer is found in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 1. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 35, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and the message this morning is entitled, A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and while you're turning there, let me just give you a a little background about what's happening in Scripture at this time. It's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. If you follow Mark's gospel, he's just called the fishermen, right? Peter, Andrew, James, John. He's just called them to follow him. Very beginning of his ministry, they're in Capernaum, and the day before had been a flurry of activity. It was the Sabbath, and so Jesus goes to the temple, right? He goes to the synagogue, and he's teaching there in the synagogue. All of a sudden, this man stands up, and he's possessed with a demon, calls out Jesus. Hey, I know know who you are. What are you doing here? Jesus cast out the demon in the synagogue on the Sabbath. The people are amazed at the way that he's teaching. He's teaching with such confidence. Like, he knows that this is truth. There's not a question about it. He's not having to constantly back up what he says. He proclaims and declares, this is truth. When they leave the synagogue, They head back to old Simon Peter's house. And my sanctified imagination says, oh, they're going for lunch, right? Sunday afternoon dinner, right? They're going together. They head back to Simon Peter's house. And lo and behold, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is there, and she's sick. Jesus heals the mother-in-law. And then about the time that the sun goes down, there's a knock at the door. And there are these people lined up at the door of Peter's house. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard about some of the things that he's done. Maybe they heard about what happened earlier that day in the synagogue. 
And there are all these people who are sick, people who are possessed with demons that line up to see Jesus. And, and if you read the passage just before verse 35, verse 32, at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. I mean, this isn't just like a one or two-off kind of thing, right? Oh, uh, you brought your cousin, you brought your mama, and we're good. No, 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 we're talking about a crowd of people came to see Jesus. And so Jesus, being Jesus, begins to heal. And he begins to cast out demons. And he begins to touch lives. Man, what a day. I would have been exhausted. I don't know about you. You know, sometimes we, we, we look at Scripture and we read it almost like we're reading a, a story or a fairy tale. We separate it from real life. But, church, I would challenge you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes right now. If you had just had that day, I'm going to go counselor on you real quick. How would that make you feel? Right? Man, I would be exhausted. I can just imagine, it's the end of the day, I can just imagine the feeling when the door closed behind the last person. Exhaustion washing over his body because Jesus is in the body of a man. He is 100% man, which means he's human, just like you and I. He's probably feeling the day. Yes, there's probably also satisfaction. I, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to touch lives. I've gotten the opportunity to teach truth. I've gotten the opportunity to cast out evil spirits and bring healing into people's stories. And there's satisfaction that goes with that. But, whew, what a day. Ever had one of those days when, when it finally comes to an end and you lay down in your bed and you're just like, Finally. I imagine that's probably how Jesus is feeling. As we come up to the verses this morning, that's where Jesus has just been. That's the context of where we're going. And to be honest, if I had had the day that Jesus had, I probably would be sleeping in. But I'm not Jesus. And this isn't me. If you've got your Bible, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35, Scripture says this. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues and throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. You pray with me, church? Father God, even now in this moment, as we seek to study and understand your word and understand how it applies to our own lives, God, I just pray that you would speak. Speak into hearts, speak into minds, speak into situations and current stages of life. Father, speak, for your servants are listening. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, this morning, I'm not bringing some great new epiphany. I'm not bringing, hey, this is a, a passage of Scripture that you've probably never heard before, obviously. I'm bringing a reminder. A reminder that that I believe that our culture and this time desperately needs. Because we don't spend enough time doing what Jesus is doing here by and large. As as a church, as a whole. This is just the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he already knows what it was like to have people lobbying for his time. Anybody here relate to that? Constantly having something to go to, somewhere to be. I mean, even some of the senior adults that I know, their schedules are as busy as mine, and I'm a youth pastor. Constantly going to this place or that. Oh, they've got hair appointments, or they've got, they're going out with Miss Sharon and all the ladies. You know, they're going to the widows and widowers lunch together or dinner together. And it's great. It's fantastic. We live in a very busy culture. My concern is that we're so busy that we don't take the time to really consider what it is that we're doing. Jesus is constantly, even now, having people lobby for his time. It was the morning after that crazy day. It was a morning, if you read the passage following, that was leading into yet another day that were to require him to pour out his life serving others. And already we see people seeking to influence Jesus' pursuits. I mean, look at verse 36. We'll come back to 35 in a minute. Don't worry. But look at verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Oh, Simon Peter, the other followers, they, they probably, it had been a long night for them too, right? They probably slept in a little bit. Wipe the sleep out of their eyes, get up, and and they're getting their morning coffee, right? What? Is there coffee in the Bible? I, I I would submit to you that coffee is a very biblical concept. Just read the book of Hebrews. Bad preacher joke. You just gotta make them. Uh you're welcome. Use your sanctified imagination for a minute. Peter gets up. It's, it's the beginning of the day, right? Maybe he gets a cup of coffee. Maybe he gets a cup of goat's milk. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Looking around, he realizes we haven't seen Jesus all morning. And then he realizes Jesus has left the building. Right? That's a problem. And so, I mean, obviously it's a problem because the next verse tells us Simon and those who were with him searched for him. It's interesting because that word search, the original word literally translates to hunt down. Right? There's there's some urgency here. Peter begins to look around and go, oh, here's the thing. Jesus is the main attraction. He got that right. And he's not around. What's going to happen next? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe there was already people lined up at the door. Maybe they were already, they've already heard. You know how that works, right? With a keystone. 
They're playing telephone. Somebody posted on word of mouth, hey, listen, this guy is at the, in Capernaum at the home of Jesus. All right, maybe they didn't have word of mouth, but they had word of mouth. You know what I'm saying? This is passed along, and all of a sudden, your, your, your wife's cousin twice removed, they were really sick, maybe on the, on the door of death, and now they're healed and up and walking around, and you've already heard about this. Maybe there's a crowd already gathering. It wouldn't be uncommon. We see that happen over and over and over again in Jesus' ministry in the Bible. Maybe, maybe there's not a crowd gathered, and just Peter, being Peter, has his own ideas about what should happen that day. And in that, what should happen is that Jesus would remain here in Capernaum, because Capernaum is Peter's hometown, Right? Peter's plan is that Jesus would stay and and heal some of his friends and neighbors. Maybe Jesus would go on, you know, Jimmy Fallon, you know, hey, get an interview. He's attracting this attention, and it's it's a great thing, and it is good for Peter and, and for the glory of God, too, but, man, this is his hometown, and this is his best friend, and he's here, and Let's show him off a little bit. I don't know what was actually going on in Peter's head. But what I do know is that Scripture tells us that there is an urgency as Peter is hunting down Jesus. Hey, listen, it's time to start the day, and the Master isn't here, and we can't start without him. That would be like starting the church without the preacher. There's about to be an awkward silence at some point. Hey, Jesus, we need you. Here's the thing, church. If you don't set your priorities, someone else will. Jesus lived intentionally. He understood the need for rightly prioritizing his day, which is why Peter found him where he did. Jesus wasn't concerned about the crowds or what they desired in that particular moment. He loved them. But that wasn't the most important thing. Peter or Jesus wasn't concerned about what Peter or the other disciples wanted in that moment. He loved them, but that wasn't the most important thing. When Peter found Jesus, he found him in prayer. Look at verse 35. Now in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. See, Jesus knew that in order to be what he ought to be publicly, he needed to spend time with God privately. I'm not going into this day without spending time with God. Jesus understood that it is impossible to pour from an empty cup. So if he was going to pour into people that day, he needed to be filled first. Speculating, but hey, maybe maybe Jesus had a verse on his mind like Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611 says, You, meaning God, you make known to me the path of life. 
you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Could it be that Jesus understood this verse of Scripture intimately? He understood that, listen, that he was going to be filled with the peace and the joy that God brought today, that he had to spend time in his presence. Maybe, maybe it's that Jesus understood intimately that in order for him to know where God was leading next, he had to spend time in his presence. Because that verse tells us, you make known to me the path of life. Now in the morning. What an example for us today, church. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed as you get up each morning? Are you, are you tired of the, the list of to-dos overwhelming your mind and heart? Tired of going through the day stressed out and feeling like you're always one step behind? And maybe, just maybe, we need to take a cue from Jesus here. It was a long day before, but the next morning, the beginning of the day, finds Jesus in prayer in order to have the peace and the power that comes with right living. We must prioritize time with God and let him prioritize our day. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and preach dogmatically that you have to have your quiet time in the morning. But notice that it says, Mark is specific, now in the morning. See, the best time to set the priorities for the day, rocket science, here it is. The best time to set priorities for the day, it's in the beginning. I know, I, I know. He put together his time with God in the very beginning of the day. He positioned it there because in order to know his marching orders, he needed to go to the source. It's kind of hard. You, you know, you, you would be kind of upset if you went into, you know, work, a volunteer position, whatever your life and your context holds. You go into to do a job during the day. But you didn't get your to-do list for that day until the middle or the end of the day. You'd be kind of frustrated about that, right? Really, this would have been nice in the morning. I'm not saying that you have to have your quiet time in the morning, the very beginning of the day, but I am going to tell you that if you look back through Scripture, what you're going to find is that Abraham rose up early, and Moses rose up early, and Joshua rose up early, and Jesus rose up early. There is a pattern in Scripture that supports the wisdom of starting your day focusing on God. How did Jesus do that? Notice the Scripture tells us, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Remember, put yourself in Jesus' shoes here. It had been a very long day before. There was a lot going on. I've already told you that, that 
I am not necessarily the one to say, hey, listen, it was a long day yesterday, and so I'm going to get up early the next day, because that sounds like fun. Jesus understood. In life, you've got to find the quiet where you can. Church, I have three kids. A nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old. It is nearly impossible to find quiet in my house. Ever. If they are awake, there is noise being made. And it doesn't even have to be like reasonable noise. Like, my kids, they'll be over there. It's like, you're watching, you know, watching the show or you're, you're, you're playing with something and, you know, all the sound effects. They're doing nothing. They're just sitting there. Son, why are you making noise? It drives me crazy. Yes, Mom, I know that was me as a kid. I understand that. Your prayers have been answered. Thanks for that. I mean, I, I, I'm studying for this sermon yesterday. And the kids are outside playing, and I can still hear them. The window, single pane, all, you know, and my ADHD brain doesn't help at all because I'm constantly, I can hear it all. The clock is ticking, driving me nuts. And then they come inside. So I think, oh, well, I'll, I'll just go out on the front stoop. And here comes the little one. And he has mom's phone and he's watching something. Here I am on the front steps. Where do you think he plants? Right next to Dad. And this thing, it's blaring, it's loud. But you know in that moment, in the noise of it all, in the craziness of life, I realized something. My three-year-old just wants to be with me. I don't have to be talking to him or playing with him. He just wants to be where I am. He desires my presence as his father. Church, what would happen? What would happen if we as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people who claim to have that relationship with Christ, what would happen if we desired His presence like that? We just wanted to spend time with Him. We just wanted to be near Him. That is exactly what we find Jesus doing, only in the quiet. Praise the Lord. He went out before daylight, before anyone else was up. He went out to a solitary place where no one else would be. Jesus chose a time when he was least likely to be disturbed, a place where he could be alone and free of distraction. Commentators speculate that this was probably, you know, long before daylight. This is probably around 4 or 5 a.m. when no one else would be awake. 
yes, there's an element of personal sacrifice here. But understand, church, it was worth it to Jesus. He understood that this was a sacrifice that needed to be made because I want time with my dad. I want time with my father. I know that this day is not going to be what it ought to be if I don't spend that time with my father. Not only was he cultivating his relationship with God, but it was essential to living that day in the center of God's will. There he prayed. Well, verse 38, when they finally found him, they say to him, everyone is, everyone is looking for you. There's that, that urgency. Hey, Jesus, we've got things to do. Let's go to Capernaum. Jesus says, or the scripture tells us, but. But indicates that his response was unexpected. Instead of going back to Capernaum like they thought, Jesus tells them, hey, guys, that's not the plan. Notice his explanation tells them they need to go to the next towns. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because here's the reasoning for this purpose. I have come forth. Church, when we spend time with God, yes, it gives us that sense of renewed intimacy. Yes, it, it fills us with that joy and peace for the day. But like we saw back in the psalm, you make known to me the path of life. Jesus understood coming out of that time with God, this is my purpose. It's not what these people think that they need. I love them. I've spent time with them. I want to touch them. If I could heal every one of them, I, he probably would have. But that can't be the priority right now because God has a different plan. For this purpose, I have come forth. Time with God brought understanding, a clear understanding of his purpose and a vision for how to get there. Listen, if you're taking a road trip, it's good to know, number one, where you are, and number two, where you're going, and that's going to help you map out how to get from here to there. When you've got a clear view of your destination, it's a lot easier to figure out the way. Jesus spent time with God. As he comes out, he goes, this is, this is the purpose that I was called to. So this is what we're going to do. I love the people of Capernaum, but it's time to move on. Other people need to hear the gospel. Jesus started in a quiet place where he could focus on God's purpose for the day. Jesus understood this truth. Pursuing God's purpose satisfies the soul. Pursuing God's purpose satisfies the soul. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Pursuing God's purpose satisfies the soul. Church, do you have a quiet place? A place where you can go that there are no distractions. Those are set aside and you can completely focus 
on God and who He is and what He's calling you to do. That you can listen and that you can talk to Him. Do you have a quiet place? Looking at Jesus' example, that is needed. It's needed in our lives. How many times? This is not the first, or this is the first that we see in Scripture here, but this is not the first in His ministry over and over and over again. We see Him retreating up into the mountain after He fed the 5,000 and sent them across to the sea, and He's retreating into the mountain to pray. He seeks a, a solitary place to pray over and over and over again. Any big decision that you see Jesus make, if you turn the page backwards, what you're going to find just before that is that He spent time in prayer before calling the apostles. Even as a man, as the Son of God, Jesus thought it was important. Let me, let me just stop everything and consult with God before I do anything else because I want this decision to be about what God wants and what God's purpose is and not my own and not anyone else's in my life. Because God is the one that I'm going to have to give an account to one day. Let me find a quiet place so that I can seek God. Are you tired of living a life that seems aimless or haphazard? Are you tired of living a life that feels empty? When our pursuits don't align with God's purpose, it leaves us feeling empty. But the good news is that there's a way to align our purposes with God. Start in a quiet place. Seek God's purposes each day. Church, we were not called to a relationship with Christ as a one-day thing. That's not how a relationship works. I can't spend one good day with my wife and that be okay. We're going to have problems. No, a relationship is an ongoing thing. Spending time every day. You want to know how to walk worthy according to the, the call that God's called you to? You spend time each morning seeking God. You spend time each morning preparing or asking God, hey, what, what is the purpose that you have in mind today? And then spend the day seeking that perfect purpose. Hey, God, this is the golden day. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you put in that time and God will show you what you need to know. I can guarantee you that because I've seen it happen over and over in Scripture. I've watched it happen over and over in my life. Spending time in God's Word and in His presence, and all of a sudden, oh, there's a situation that comes up that needed exactly what I had just been studying or exactly what I had heard from God that day. And I go, thank you, God. Pursuing God's purpose satisfies the soul. Church, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking you can't pursue God's purpose because you don't know Him. You don't have that relationship. I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you right where you are. And He wants to give you a peace and a purpose that comes from an abundant life. If you want to know more about that, then I'm inviting you to come and talk during this next song. 
I'd love to share with you more about how that works. Maybe, maybe you're a follower of Christ here and you know that you've been living aimlessly. That your life has gotten to a place like my garage where it's out of control and you've got all of this stuff in your life and the things that you do and you're going, why am I doing all this stuff? I just need a minute. Maybe it's time to go through and clear out some of the things that aren't needed. Find a quiet place and really focus on some of the things that are. Maybe you're here and you have a quiet place and you're living this way and you are seeking God. Church, we all have a next step. All of us can take a next step if you're here. And so what's the next step for you? What is it that God's calling you to do? Hey, maybe maybe you need to spend more time in that quiet place. Maybe you need to, to, to disciple someone else. What's that word? Disciple someone else to have a quiet place or bring them along and help them to see what that means to really spend time with God. I don't know what it is for you. But the fact that you're here tells me that God is calling you to something. God is calling you to something. What did God accomplish through you? If you truly dedicated your life to pursuing His purpose every day and lived in the center of that purpose, God wants to accomplish great things in and through you. And He wants to start today. The question is, will you join Him? challenge you, church. Find your quiet place. Spend time with Jesus. Let Him direct your path. And it will be worth it all. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this morning. We thank You for the opportunity to open Your Word in a corporate setting like this. God, we thank You for examples like this of Jesus. Thank you for the fact that Mark wrote it down because it's important. God, help us to be a people that imitate this aspect of Jesus' life. That are disciplined and dedicated to our relationship with you, understanding that, uh, that our intimacy with you is cultivated by spending time with you. God, this morning, I pray that your spirit would be here working in hearts and minds. If there's anyone here that does not know you in a real and personal way, God, I pray that they would come and they would talk about that. God, if there's anyone in this place that maybe this is an area where they need to repent. They need to start fresh and anew. God, the good news is that there's grace for that. And that's exactly what you desire from them. Not to condemn them, but to encourage them to the place where you want them to be. God, even now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in hearts. That you would work in our lives. We love you, Lord, as best we know how. Thank you for loving us. We ask these things.